So we have a handout if you didn't get one. Let's, uh, let's put that scripture up, Micah. So let's, uh, let's say it together. Isaiah 46, verse 9. Remember the former days of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all of my pleasure, calling a bird of prey executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you tonight. Father, we pray that you would open uh, this word to us, that you would re reveal this text to us, that you would equip us tonight, help us to understand we pray in Christ's name, amen. So this paragraph tonight, it's, uh, it's not simple, for sure. If you look at it, we're in a paragraph, or excuse me, chapter 3, paragraph 7. And coming to the end of chapter 3, and we've been talking about uh, predestination and um, so this is the final chapter or paragraph excuse me follow if you can follow with me the doctrine of this high mystery of predestination is to be handled with special prudence and care that men attending the will of God revealed in his word and yielding obedience to thereunto may from the certainty of their effectual vocation be assured of eternal election so shall this doctrine afford a matter of praise reverence and admiration of god and of humility diligence and abundant consolation to all that sincerely obey the gospel first thing that I see in this paragraph is that it's a mystery that the whole doctrine of predestination is a mystery and why God chooses one and not another is a mystery isn't it we know why he does it all for his glory. It's always for his glory. We know from reading this scripture that we just read from Isaiah that nothing hinders his holy will. So what he wants to accomplish, he's going to accomplish. Nothing is going to hinder the kingdom of God in the life of an individual. Or as we, we heard Sunday, the advancing of the kingdom of God, the advancing of the gospel, it moves forward. Nothing is going to or can hinder it. We, as Mr. Law has been teaching, that 
God is sovereign in salvation. He has to be or he's not sovereign at all. That's a, that's a deep thought. That's a deep pattern of logic. But if you have to understand that, that God is sovereign over all or he's not sovereign at all. And if, if you struggle with this, can I recommend one of, the, one of the greatest books I think ever written on this subject is A.W. Pink's book, The Sovereignty of God. It ought to be in all of our libraries, and it ought to be something that you've read a couple of times. It will change the way you think about a lot of things, including salvation. Well, it's a mystery. And we see the Holy Spirit. He, he, we don't know where he comes from. We don't know where he goes. We only see the evidence that he's been there. And we see it in the life of of believers, we see it where all of a sudden something lays hold of us. It's like the blind man. Jesus, Jesus touches him. Jesus heals him, and somebody said, "You know, tell us about it." And he says, "All I know is that once I was blind, and now I see." And it's the same with the heart revelation. The Spirit of God moves in the heart of a, of a man or a woman or a child, and where they once had blindness of heart, all of a sudden, they see. They just get it. It's like, it's like the veil comes off. And we know that it's, that it's not based on what we do. And this is, where, this is what radically changed my theology Years ago, when I was memorizing the book of Romans and I got to Romans 9, I could not get past this idea that it says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Okay, I get that. You know, Esau is a crumb. Esau uh, sold his, his birthright. You know, of course God is going to be angry with him. He despised his birthright. But that's not what Paul says in Romans 9. What does he say? Before they what? Come on, who knows this? Before they were born, before they had what? Done good or evil. His choosing of Jacob, his choosing, in fact, Jacob was a supplanter. Jacob was more deceitful maybe than Esau. Before they had done good or evil, before they were born, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. See, it's based simply on God's choosing. So we have this this doctrine, and, and the writers of our, of our confession say the doctrine of this high mystery of predestination is to be handled with special prudence and care. Because it, and many churches don't want to teach on it at all. That's how they handle it. Let's say, we won't even deal with it. Yeah, we know it mentions something about it in Scripture, but let's not talk about it. And you can go the other side. And it's, it can be a very dangerous doctrine because you can take it to the other side. Well, whoever's going to be saved is going to be saved, and therefore we don't have to do anything. We don't need to obey the, the Great Commission. We don't need to witness to our neighbor because if they're going to get saved, they're going to get saved anyhow. It needs to be handled very carefully. Or... I think the enemy can use it in the life, sometimes in the life of our children. Say, well, you know, the reason you don't want to read your Bible is because, you know, you're not called. 
And so the devil's right there. You know, you're just not called. That's that's why you don't want to read your Bible. That's why you don't want to go to church. You're just not one of the elect. And do you see where that doctrine can be harmful, dangerous? And so they're saying it needs to be handled with great care. And frankly, I think that's, that's why we should always, on a Sunday morning, whoever's preaching, we should always preach the gospel, because it might be the day, it, it might be the day when the when the when the scales come off the eyes. And and the other side of that sees, w- with prudence and care, we can take it for granted that everybody that's in our assembly, because they've been in a Christian home their whole life, that they're all saved and they're all converted. And that's not true. So we keep preaching. You, parents, you keep evangelizing your children. Children, you keep evangelizing your friends because you don't know. It must be handled carefully. And who are they addressing? That men attending the will of God revealed in his word... See, so he, 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 they're speaking of, of followers of Christ, those that are waiting on the will of God as it's revealed in his word, those that are yielding obedience, that those, those saints of God are certain of their effectual vocation. Anybody want to gander what that means? Effectual vocation? Huh? Vocations of God or a calling. Calling? And what would you think in this context it would be calling? What calling? The children of God. That's your effectual calling, your vocation. What does Romans 1 say? The, 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 the creation what? It does what? It what? No, not in Romans 1. What's it do? Yeah. Is it enough to save is it enough to save people? No. That's called what? General revelation. Okay? What do you suppose specific revelation is? Effectual calling. Right? That's the effectual calling word. You get it. We've had uh, some, some, Abby would be a good example. She, you know, was baptized when she was like 13, and then years later, I think she was 19 or 20, and she said, Dad, I, I want to get baptized. So she was, I said, Abby, you were baptized when you were 13. Yeah, but I didn't get saved till last year. I know that I got saved last year. I know. You see, that's, that's the assurance that God puts in the heart of a believer. And, you know, one of the ways that, that you can know one, is, is to study, study the epistle of, of John's epistle. 1 John, 1 John 1, 1 John 2, 1 John 3, 1 John 4, 1 John 5. And you will see over and over and in, he just keeps overlapping in how he's, by, by this you'll know. 
So he's speaking to those who have an effectual calling. And one of the proof texts is Deuteronomy 29.29. Some of you want to read that? Deuteronomy 29.29. Go ahead, Eric. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. See, this is a revealing, and it's, it's a revelation. We see it in our heart. We understand it. We get it. And then he goes on to say, if you can follow in, in this, the wording, that those that are have an effectual vocation, those that are attending to the will of God, those that want to obey, they, they're the ones that will be assured of eternal election. So shall this doctrine afford matter of praise, reverence, admiration of God and of humility, diligence, and abundant consolation to all that sincerely obey the gospel. See, the result of this, saints, ought to be that we just praise God. When I was a full-blown Arminian, I mean, we were Arminian, Arminians, Arminians. I used to get frustrated because I couldn't understand why people just couldn't get what's wrong with and, you know, you begin to think, you know, God chose me because he's, there's something in me that he really liked. And I wonder what it was that he liked so much about me that he chose me. I had it all backwards. And I realized there was nothing in me that he saw. Except that he chose me before the foundations of the world. See, it's not of works lest any man should boast. In Ephesians 1.6, he says, To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. God did it. And it, it ought to result, if, if you are a follower of Christ, it ought to result in you desiring to Every morning you wake up, you say, God, thank you. That you called me out of darkness into your marvelous light. And it shouldn't produce pride. Because there was nothing in you, nothing in me that was worth saving. Remember the disciples in Luke 10, in verse 20? They had came back, the 70 had come back, and they were beginning to report to the Lord. You know, Lord, even the demons, they listen. We, we command the demons and they go. Well, how, what did Jesus say to them? Here's what he said in Luke 10, 20. He said, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are are written in heaven. Here's what you ought to be rejoicing about. God saved you. 
And, and, and by the way, this is back to one of the, one of the, the reasons why this, this doctrine needs to be handled with prudence and care. Paul Washer tells a story. Uh, several years ago, he was out to dinner with a bunch of reformed pastors, and they were having dinner. And the waiter is like a surfer dude. And he sees they have their Bibles on the table. And he begins to say, you know, wow, dude, you got one of these things too? He goes, you know, I found Jesus last year. And, and Paul Washer, he had to rebuke all of the men around the table. Because they all began to clamor, you know, he didn't find God, God found him, he doesn't. And Paul said, brothers, all he knows at this point in his he loves Jesus and he knows Jesus. God will straighten him out on who did the saving and who did the calling. And see, we can get all bound up in doctrine like that sometimes that we miss the forest for the trees. Now, you might have had doctrine straight from day one. I sure didn't. And I would have been saying the same exact thing. What's new with you? Oh, I found Christ. Oh, he found me. He found me out. And he found you out. But what does it appear to us? It's like we found the pearl of great price, didn't we? That's why we don't preach the doctrine of election to the lost. We just, we, we preach the gospel to them. We preach the gospel. We're, we're, our goal is to to harvest. It's God's job to do the saving. He determines who's going to hear it. But if we just, if we misuse the doctrine, we just, well, you know, whoever's going to get saved is going to get saved. See, preaching is the means. Our witnessing to our neighbors is the means. Yes, God called them. Yes, God, but he ordains the means, the secondary means that he often uses is you and I. Well, let me wrap up here. A couple more verses, uh, proof text, Romans 11.5. Somebody would like to read that? Paul, you want to read that? 11.5 and then 11.20 as well? Romans 5? Yep. Verse 11? Yes, 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 5. Verse 6, sorry. Even so at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise works is no more works. It's of grace. How about Romans eleven twenty, Paul? Not the 
you know, I hear people railing on, uh, on the Jews, and I'm like, have you never read Romans 11? And Paul is saying to them, don't you dare boast. You are just grafted in. And, and God blinded them, he said, for a season. Why? So that you can see, so that you can hear, so that you can come in. And don't you dare boast. Because it was, again, it's God. And so what are we saying? It's humility and the worshipfulness to say that God is amazing. And I am so thankful and I am so grateful. And there's nothing in me. That's a good position to be in, saints. It's God. And then lastly, this idea of diligence and abundant consolation. To all that sincerely obey the gospel. Somebody would like to read 2 Peter 1.10. And another person, 1 Thessalonians 1.4. 2 Peter 1.10, 1 Thessalonians 1.4. Anybody? Okay. Keep going. Verse 5, sorry. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And how about 2 Peter 1.10? Joel, go ahead. saved by sanctification we're justified but proof of our justification is a desire to be sanctified a desire to obey God a desire to walk in his ways sanctification a desire for that is proof and we're to give diligence to our calling to our election that's proof that you that's one of the proofs that you really have been saved it's that that's the desire of your heart that's the desire of my heart. And then let me close with an, another verse from Romans 11. See, all of this, this doctrine to be handled with great care, it ought to lead us to this, this place of Romans 11.33 where we say, oh, this is Paul, oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways, fast finding out. God truly, truly becomes amazing. His grace is amazing. His salvation is amazing. His work in the life of a believer is amazing. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Amen. Any questions?